Turn with me to Genesis chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37, verse 23. Thank you, media team, for helping and assisting tonight. If you have it, say amen, or you can look toward the screen from which cometh your help. And it came to pass when Joseph was coming to his brothers that they stripped Joseph out of his coat. His coat of many colors. Somebody say that was on him. And they took him and cast him into a pit. And the pit was empty. There was no water in it. And they sat down to eat bread and they lifted up their eyes and looked. And behold, a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead with their camels bearing spicery and balm and myrrh going to carry it down to Egypt. I want to preach to you just for a little while this evening. If you're going to help me, you'll get through this. Why don't you turn around and turn, look somebody in the eye and say, you'll get through this. I don't know what you're facing tonight. I don't know what you're going to face tomorrow when you get to work. But I've come with a prophetic word to you. You'll get through this. You can be, would you be seated? Thank you so much. We enter into the life of Joseph. Some theologians say somewhere around 17 years old. On a day when his brothers did the unfathomable thing of throwing him into a pit. As awful as it may sound when you read the Holy Script, the actual event had to be quite more horrifying for this young lad. It is said the pit would be best described as an abandoned cistern, something that used to hold water because Scripture said it was empty. I'm sure there was jagged rocks and roots extending from its sides and Joseph lay with his hands bound, his ankles bound, his eyes wide in fear as he lay there wondering what will be my future. I've had dreams. God, you promised me things. I sit here now at the bottom of this cistern floor, tied and tangled up, suffering from my brother's own demise. And I can just imagine his voice was hoarse from screaming for help. It wasn't that his brothers didn't hear him because 22 years later when famine had tam that famine had tamed their swagger and guilt had dampened their pride they would confess in Genesis 42:21 we saw the anguish of his soul when he pleaded with us and we would not hear these are not just any brothers these are the great-grandsons of Abraham. These are the sons of Jacob. These are the children through whom the promises of God would be fulfilled. The name of Jesus Christ appears on their family tree. 
They are what I would call equivalent to royalty. But yet on this day, they were nothing less than a very dysfunctional family. As Joseph pleaded for help, they ate bread. They enjoyed a meal while their brother stayed in the bottom of that cistern floor. This takes hard-hearted to a whole nother level when lunch mattered more to them than their brother. According to Genesis 37, they despised their brother. According to Genesis 37, 4, 5, 8, and 11, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. They hated him even more. His brothers envied him. You may sit here on this Sunday evening and wonder why they hated him so much. Joseph was the favored son. He was the firstborn of Jacob and Rachel. And when his brothers were working, he was playing. They wore the clothes from the second-hand store while he received a special handmade coat. It was almost like he rubbed it in their face, not, not meaning so, but every time they saw him, oh, there he goes, there's that brat. He's wearing a coat mama made for him. There he, he's loved more than us. They slept in the bunkhouse. He slept in the penthouse. We could go on and on. He was favored by God. But on this dreadful day, they called him away from the house. They had heard his dreams. They had heard about what God had promised and showed. Not fully understanding the full reality of it all. But it went down very fast. They stripped him of his handmade coat. They took him and cast him into a pit. They not only wanted to kill Joseph. But they also wanted to hide his body. A murderer's cover up from the get go. Verse 20 said, we shall say, we, we'll just tell daddy, some wild beast has devoured him. I can't help but think Joseph didn't see this assault coming. He didn't wake up on this Monday morning or, or he didn't wake up on that Friday morning and say, I better be ready today. My brothers are out to get me. I don't think his discernment was dialed in to what their plan was. They're not going to hurt me. I'm their brother. They're not going to misuse or mistreat me. They're obviously, I, I know they would never throw me into a pit and leave me to die. I believe with all of my heart as I read this story, I've read it many times, I believe this attack caught him off guard. And so did yours. Joseph's pit came in the form of a cistern. But maybe yours have come from a diagnosis you didn't plan on getting this year. Maybe you suffered a traumatic injury. Maybe Joseph was thrown into a hole and despised. But your story would be told. I was thrown in an unemployment line and forgotten. I was thrown into the divorce court and a bed. I was thrown into a bed and abused. The pit. Some people get in a pit and never recover. And if you do, you reduce your life to one quest. Get out and never get hurt again. You put up walls. You put up guards. You, you, you don't want to get close to anybody. You're, you're fearful and afraid to trust even the man of God. You want to know why pits are hard to get out of? They don't have exits. Or easy exits, I should say. Joseph's story got worse before it got better. 
abandonment led to enslavement, then entrapment, then finally imprisonment. Joseph, one moment after another, sucker punched, sold out, mistreated. People made promises only to break them. Ever been there? Offered gifts only to have them taken back. Yet, somebody say yet. He never gave Joseph never let bitterness stake its claim. Anger never metastasized into hatred. His heart never got hardened. His resolve never vanished. He held on to a vision, a dream, and said, If God has brought me this far, He'll get me through this. He'll get me out of this. You read the story of Joseph. Joseph not only thrived. He not only survived, but he thrived. Everywhere Joseph went, he was blessed. An Egyptian official promoted him to chief servant. A prison warden placed him over all the inmates. Pharaoh, the highest ruler on the planet, assigned him to be prime minister. By the end of his life, Joseph was the second most powerful man of his generation. He would be the tool that God would use to save the then known world from starvation. You may have walked into this sanctuary this evening after hearing what I have shared with you thus far. And probably what goes through your head and mine as well is how. How does someone do this? After all he had been through, how does anyone make it through all that he went through. Well, I'm just so glad you asked. We look to the word of God and we find at the end of the story. That Joseph would look at his brothers in Genesis chapter 50 verse 20. He would look at them in boldness and declare. But as for you. You thought evil against me. But God. But God. Minute unto good to bring it to pass, Bishop, as it is this day to save much people alive. You don't have to speculate. We find Joseph 20 years after the pit. He's the strong one. His brothers are the weak ones. They feared he would settle the score, throwing them in the pit of his own demise. But Joseph had a revelation, and his explanation causes me to find inspiration. You want me to tell you what it is? Pastor, in God's hands, intended evil becomes eventual good. Intended evil in God's hands becomes eventual good. That's the heart of the story of Joseph. Joseph tied himself to a pillar of promise and held on knowing I'm going to get through this. God's been too faithful. God's made a way out of no way. Blood stains and tear stains everywhere. Joseph's heart rubbed raw from disloyalty and miscarried justice. 
Yet time and time again, Pastor, God redeemed the pain. I said God redeemed the pain. A torn robe became a royal robe. The pit just backs up to the palace. The broken family grew old together. Some of you need to hang on to that right now. Some of you, the devil's lied to you and said, it'll never come. You'll never be restored. You'll never. I feel it in the Holy Ghost to tell somebody, if God's brought you this far, he's got a way of putting the pieces back to, I know it's broken. I know it seems like there is no way, but you'll get through this. My God, I feel the, the very acts that intended to destroy God's servant turned out to be the acts that strengthened him. He looked at those brothers and said, you meant evil against me. But when you look at the word meant in the Hebrew, it traces its meaning all the way. Y'all better hold my mule. This thing crazy. The Hebrew verb traces back to weave or to plait. He looked at those brothers in a position of power and authority and said, you wove weevil. You wove evil. But God rewove it for my good. I stand this evening to tell you that God is the master weaver. He knows what he's doing. He's stretching the yarn and intertwining the colors. He's intertwining the ragged with the velvet, the pain with the pleasure. Nothing, you hear me, escapes his reach. Nothing. Working. He's working. He's reweaving it. He's putting it together. You can't see it today. You don't understand it. But I feel a Holy Ghost wave. I feel a Holy Ghost breakthrough. You'll get through this. I know hell's trying to tell you you won't make it. He's trying to lie and say that marriage won't make it. He's trying to tell you those backslidden children ain't coming home. He's trying to tell you your prodigals ain't going to. I come against every spirit that would begin to say and speak lies over you and your family because I don't care what hell says. I'm standing on a word tonight that says I'll get through this. I'm coming out of this. I'm going to make it on. I'm making it over. I felt this so strong driving down the interstate. I began to type. Some of you walked in here. You fear depression will never live. Suicidal thoughts have bombarded your mind. The pain will never leave. You feel that you're in the pit of a lifetime. You're surrounded by steep walls. You're surrounded by angry brothers. And you wonder, will the gray skies ever brighten? Will the load ever lighten? Will you ever be loved again? Will you ever be able to move on? You feel stuck. You feel trapped. You feel locked in. You're predestined for failure. You sit and you look and you say, 
It's hard for me to believe, preacher, that it can happen for me. It might happen for a sister over here or a brother over there. And you say, will I ever, ex- will I ever exit this pit? I emphatically prophesy to you this evening, yet. You hear this pastor from Alabama. You will get through this. How can you say it? If Daniel can get out of a lion's den. If Peter can be escorted out of prison. If Jonah can make it out of the belly of a great big fish. If David could come out of the shadow of Goliath, you mean to tell me what you're facing is bigger than my God's able to do? You're able to do it, and you're going to get through it. If the disease for the lepers was not too big for God, if the doubt for Thomas was not too big for God, if the grave could not keep Lazarus, If the shackles couldn't hold Paul and Silas, God just has a way of getting us through some things. Pastor, I just believe through is one of God's favorite words. Through. Now, we want to come out of it. But God said, I'll take you through it. Because when you get through it, I'm as close to you as I've ever been to you. I'll be with you through the flood. I'll be with you through the Red Sea on ground. I'll walk with you through the wilderness, through the valley of the shadow of death, through the deep sea. Somebody over here shout through. Somebody right over here shout. Somebody shout through. Somebody shout through. The reason God hadn't delivered some of you yet, God's taken you through it. You don't even realize he's standing closer to you than a brother or a sister or a mother. He's right there with you. And in the process, you're praying more than you've ever prayed. You're fasting more than you've ever fasted. A good trial ain't never hurt anybody. Why? Because God has a way. Of bringing you through some things. And when you get through it. You talk about shouting. I I now know why Miriam had a tambourine. I now know why Miriam had a. She understood that God. Brought them through. The Red Sea. Y'all hear that? I don't blame you. I did too. But I sure was going to, you know, a, bad, a good prop up, prop up a bad message every time. But some of you need to dust off your spiritual tambourine. I'm talking about a spiritual tambourine. Where you just remember where he brought you from. You remember all the hell he brought you. You just remember and every now and then you just need to hold your hand in the air. And say, my God has done it before. He'll... Don't let Miriam be the only one. I believe there's some saints. You've got a spiritual tambourine in your hand. 
You've got to praise in your spirit. There's some of you used to be drug addict. There's some of you used to be diagnosed with deadly diseases. There's some of you that you ought to be six feet under the ground. Some of you ought to be behind bars tonight. But God said, I'm going to get them through this. And I'm going to confirm my word. For Isaiah said it, when thou passeth through the waters, I will be with thee. Through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, not around it, not under it, not over it, through Let me just tell you what a good fire would do to you. Not in my notes. I was burned, second, third degree burns. Face and arm. Thanksgiving 2005, thank you. I was burned in a gasoline explosion. Flesh, if I had a picture I'd show you, you wouldn't believe it. Flesh hanging off my arms. Thought I'd inhaled it. Couldn't drink anything for hours upon end. I sat in an emergency room and my pastor laid over my body. And I looked at him and I said, Pastor, I ain't going to hell. I'm talking about where they had to take me to Bridemont, to Bridemont and scrape the dead skin off of my body. But I asked God in that intensive care where I was locked up for seven days, infection set in. It was the most excruciating pain I'd ever felt in my, in my entire body. They told me I would be out of work for two months a minimum. That I would have to have skin grafts. Just get prepared for it. I turned in short-term disability. In two weeks, I was back at work. The only thing I asked God, Bishop, just leave me a scar. Just leave me a reminder. And every time that I... Every time I look at this left hand and I begin to see it and, and every now and again I look at it a little closer and I say, God, you confirmed your word. You brought me through the fire. You didn't let me die. You brought me through the furnace. I'm healed and I'm on the other side. But I've come to testify. He'll bring you through it. He'll bring you through it. Thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither the flame kindle upon thee. I, I just wish I could get a witness about right here. If it had not been for the Lord that was on your side, do I have a witness that would say, there's no telling where I would be. I know I've already said it, but you learn by repetition. Some of you ought to be six feet under the ground. Some of you ought to be locked up in prison. Some of you ought to be in divorce court. Some of you ought to be addicted to drugs. But God said, I'll get you through it. I'll bring you out of it. I'll bring you into a flame.
musicians come. Oh, oh, oh. How long is it going to take me? How long is it going to take me to get through this? I don't know. I'm not going to be the Debbie Downer of the night and not going to mess up a, a sermon. It took 120 years for Noah to prepare for the flood. It took 80 years to prepare Moses for his work. God called David to the kingship, but he sent him back to the pasture to tend sheep. Jesus was in the carpenter shop for 30 years before he ever performed his first miracle. How long will it take with you? His story in your life is not measured in minutes, but lifetimes. It's measured in lifetime. God will use your mess for good. If you were to grab this microphone and tell me what you're going through tonight. At the end of your story, at the end, all I'm going to tell you is, I just see a perfect opportunity. I see a perfect chance, Sister St. Clair. I see a chance for God to train you, test you, teach you how to become the future prime minister. I do not believe, Bishop, that Joseph would have been prepared had he not went to the pit, had he not been betrayed and lied upon and thrown into prison and forgotten. God was using opportunities like that to train him to test his ability and his character because God had a future already preordained. It was prophesied. Some of you are seeing a famine right now. But in this story, God sees the relo relocation of his chosen lineage. call it Egypt but God calls it protective custody you just think God has forgotten about no 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 he just protected you in Eden he's just getting you ready because there's some people he's getting ready to save alive I don't think it's by accident those words are in that portion to save much people alive He's not going to wait till they're dead for you to show up with your story. He's not going to wait too late for you to be introduced to that. You are a version of Joseph to this generation, church. You represent a challenge to the plan of Satan. You carry something of God inside of you. Something holy. Something the world needs. You've got the Holy Ghost. You've got wisdom. You've got mercy. You've got grace. You've got skill. You've got kindness. And pastor, if Satan can neutralize this church, if Satan can neutralize, he mutes the influence of this church. If he can mute you, there's a mute button on this. 
could cut that off or I can put it in mute. You can't hear me through this. And if the, if the God of this world, Satan, if he can silence your influence, he can wage war and begin to appear to win the war. war. Joseph would be the first to tell you that the pit's done. But I come to a fast close. We can say what we want to to the pit. But there's only one way out of the pit. That pit caused Joseph to do something that God's getting ready to unleash inside of this building. There was only one way for him to get out. The exit and the entrance was way up at the top. And the only way for him to get out of the pit was to look up. You're never going to get out of your pit with your head held down, feeling sorry for yourself, staying in the mully grubs, wondering why God has allowed this to Why have you done this, oh God? If you throw out the why and say, there's only one way you're going to get me through this. I've got to look to the hill. I've got to lift up my head, oh your gates. I've got to begin to look up. Because when I look up, he reaches his hand. And it's amazing the arm of God can always reach down further than I can reach up. But the indication you want out is the position of your di- it's the position of your gaze. I want out of this. I'm coming through this. I wish you would stand all over this house right now. You see, when you look up, he looks down. When you raise your hands up, he says, if somebody would pray this, I need somebody up there to come down here. Just give me a hand. Bishop, I believe the hand of the Lord is not short. His ear's not too heavy. He can't hear And I don't care how deep your pit is. His arm is not short. But you can't see the hand with your head held low. You just got to lift up that hand and lift up that head. Do I have a few in this house that will step out of your seat? Come to this front. You're about to come out of some stuff. You're about to come out of some stuff. Because if he did it for me, he can do it for, if he's did it for you, he can do it for somebody standing next to you. You will get through this. Why don't you just lift your hands right now? You ready to come out, ain't you? You ready to, God's just to do something. Lift your hands right now and lift your hands. There's a sweeping move of the Holy. Don't look to the left, look to the right, look straight up with your hands in the air and begin to declare, I'm coming through this. You'll get through this.